I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. <laughs> Talk is Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And let's get your weekend started with a few creepy, freaky, terrifying tales from the paranormal universe with haunted collector John Zaffis. John is the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the duo behind of some of the uh, biggest haunted investigations of the 70s. Their cases inspired the Conjuring movies. John is their nephew and got started at a young age in the paranormal world. You hear what it was like growing up with Ed and Lorraine as his aunt and uncle. Pretty uh, mysterious stuff. Going with them on some of their investigations, some of their expeditions, and actually be given um, most of the haunted objects and photos that they collected over the years. John's telling stories been some of the scariest items in his collection talk about assisting uh, exorcisms and he's sharing some of the behind the scenes footage that never made it when he had his own tv show the haunted collector great creepy scary conversation with john zaffis there's a, a couple pictures i'm going to post of some of these items there's a painting uh, that a uh, you'll hear the story that a uh, an ex-girlfriend painted for a boyfriend that's pretty much haunted and it looks like it is one of the creepiest things i've ever seen took a picture with it and uh lots of uh, of really uh similar stories like this very crazy insane like i said chilling scary creepy stories from haunted collector john zaffis i saw all of his artifacts i saw the results of his work and i'm seeing the results of another guy's work i'm talking about my uh my friend diamond Dallas page it was a great segue i'm talking about the ddpy program which as you know by now you should know by now is more than just a workout program it's a healthier way to live and man does dallas make it easy for you to do you know i'm a believer and user of the ddpi uh, program have been for five six years now i'm living proof that it works it really does Look what DDP has done for my career, and I'm not just talking wrestling career, I'm talking about my Fozzie career as well, my musical career. Uh, we're starting in May, playing huge festival gigs like Carolina Rebellion, River City Rock Fest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Northern Invasion, and I'm able to do those gigs at the highest of levels, both singing-wise and performance-wise, due to DDP yoga. It keeps me loose, flexible, gives me the core strength I need to sing the way I want to sing. It's just helped me all across the board, and my quality of life has gone through the roof since I started DDPY back in 2011. I want you to do it too. Now is the time for you to give it a try. you got to take advantage 
of, uh, of this moment in time and also take advantage of this tremendous deal that Dallas is offering. You get 25% off all DDPY merch and swag. And check this out. When you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second one for 50% off the price that's already 25% off. That is a huge, that's a steal. You're basically stealing DDPY. And in order to do this, all you got to do is go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And when you buy the DDPY DVDs, you also get three free months of the DDP Yoga Now app, okay? And with this app, you can do DDPY anytime, any place, anywhere, right from your phone or tableta. The app not only lets you do all the workouts right from your phone, it's also got a bunch of other cool special features to keep you on that path to healthy living. And DDP Yoga Now app subscribers, you never get bored doing the same workouts over and over again because DDP has added completely new 2.0 workouts and weekly live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia. Great place. Go check it out if you're ever around. And like I said, Dallas is offering this incredible deal on DDPY, 25% off all DDPY merch and DVDs right now. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second one for 50% off of the price. That's already 25% off. Okay, that's ridiculous. I want you to give it a try. There's no more excuses. You got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's all you got to do to take advantage of this great deal. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. One last time, ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life and do it today. Uh, I was telling you about my uh, great uh, weekend in Tulsa when I went and saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers on Saturday night, and then Chad Smith came to our show on Sunday to, to hang out and see uh, what we do. I forgot to mention that earlier in the day on that Sunday, uh, Matt Hanrahan, who's one of our production managers, told me he was going to the Outsiders house. And I'm not talking about Nash and Hall. I'm talking about the original Outsiders, the uh, Francis Ford uh, Coppola movie starring Patrick Swayze, uh, Ralph Macchio, Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, um, uh, uh, C. Thomas Howell, and of course, Ralph Macchio. A friend of his had bought the house, and that friend is a dude called Danny Boy O'Connor from House of Pain. Jump, jump, gonna make you go jump, jump. You know that that song. I didn't do it justice, but anyways, he actually went and bought the Curtis Brothers' house from the Outsiders. You know the 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 place where they leave for the Rumble and where you know two bit uh, uh, costs um, Pony Boy where he's making eggs and they're just hanging out there and uh, Dairy and Pony getting a fight there at the beginning. It was really cool to go and check out this whole. A house and see what it looked like and also go to the park where Johnny and, and Ponyboy killed the Soch and also the uh, field where they had the big rumble against the Soches at the end of the movie. Um, oh yeah, Matt Dillon was in that movie as well and he was awesome. So uh, it was just really, really cool to see that. And I love it when I get a chance to go around and actually do stuff you know, because most of the time it's airport, hotel, arena, repeat. Hotel, airport, arena, repeat. So when I get a chance to actually go see some things and it was 15, 20 minutes to be there and check it out but still, I got to see the Outsiders house and Danny Boy, man, that guy's a pop culture freak. Not only does he have a lot to talk about with House of Pain but he's also got uh, huge interest in all things you know Outsiders Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, those type of movies so definitely a future podcast guest here on TIJ and remember just a reminder that uh, this Friday I'm going to be in Anaheim playing with Metal Allegiance at the Grove Friday night if you're going to be at the NAM show the NAM convention and you're looking for something to do on Friday night the place to be is the Metal Allegiance show and what a lineup it is Alex Skolnick from Testament Chuck Billy from Testament, Gary Holt from Slayer, Jericho, Mike Portnoy, Charlie Benanti from Our Anthrax, uh, Marcus Guida from Death Angel. I think R.J. Hale from from Hailstorm is going to be there. Mike Inez from Allison Chains is going to be playing. We got uh, Phil Demel from Machine Head. It's a huge, huge show. We're playing uh, the greatest tunes.
legends from the fallen heroes of rock and roll, uh, the, the legends that have passed away over the last few years. You're not going to want to miss it. It's the place to be on Friday night, and I'm really looking forward to hitting the stage again. It's been a while since I rocked. It's been a long time since I rock and rolled. Uh, we go for rehearsals on Thursday and the big show on Friday. So come check it out. It's a, it's a heavy metal who's who playing the greatest tunes from the fallen heroes. Uh, we're doing a, a Randy Rhodes tune. We're doing a, a, a Megadeth tune from Nick Nick Menza. Doing some ACDC, of course, with Bon Scott. Doing some Ryan James Dio. There's a Bowie tune in the set. Lots of great stuff. So come on down and rock with us at the Grove in Anaheim. Friday night, tonight uh, at the NAMM show. Uh, you can find tickets. You know how to use Google. Come on down, man. Come rock with us, and I guarantee you're going to have a good time. Uh, and I'm going to be singing Riff Raff which is worth the price of admission right there. And Murders in the Room Org by Iron Maiden, honoring the late, great Clive Burr. So come check it out. Metal Legions, Anaheim, The Grove, this Friday. Be there or uh, be square. And just by the fact that I said that means that I'm square. But who cares? Because I'm rocking with Metal Legions on Friday at The Grove in Anaheim. Yeah! Fantastic! You are unclean spirits! Shut up your ass! In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ! It is he who commands you! The Talk is Jericho. Okay, so I'm uh, here at the uh, at the home of John's office, which is um, an incredible place, filled with with artifacts of the paranormal nature. And the best part is when I was driving up to your house to take a turn here and the sign says dead end <laughs> i was like ah perfect the dead end so uh and actually andrea perrin who i had on uh, a few months ago talking about the conjuring and the movies and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. led me here to talk to you yeah. being uh, the nephew of the warrens who are mm-hmm. featured prominently as the demonologists in those movies yeah absolutely uh again to uh andrea and i are very good friends we've known each other for years and years and um, with that case, the original, the, the Conjuring, you know, pretty intense. I mean, typical movie. You got a lot of, you know, uh, things that weren't lot, accurate. Yeah, a lot of Hollywood exaggerations. You got a lot of Hollywood, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, like I always tell people, you know, you're not going to want to sit there for two hours and be bored to tears. <laughs> so if you don't have excitement in a movie, you're not going to want to sit there and watch it. Right. So, again, but, the you know, with the original case and a lot of the things that went on, you know, it's definitely a haunted piece of property. Mm-hmm. You know, I was there several years ago investigating it, um, you know, uh, with the current owners. And we had all kinds of crazy activity going on. There was Even while you were investigating? While we were investigating. What, yeah. what, what happened? Uh, a door opened and closed in there. Uh, I was sitting in what used to be the master bedroom, uh, Roger and Carolyn's uh, bedroom. And I started getting the chair. It was just literally shaking. And I was just like, wow, this this is kind of uh, creepy, kind of weird. And I'm like, okay, it's an old house. you got rickety floors and everything. But I looked down, and I'm like, wait a minute. These are all rebuilt. And then I went down underneath to look to see if there was pipes or anything vibrating. Nothing. Went back and started having it again. It was like, and it, it wasn't adding up. I couldn't find anything logical. Hmm. Nothing to be able to debunk it, so to speak. So, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for a long time. When something like that happens, do you just take it as par for course? Does it still freak you out? It depends. <laughs> it depends, uh, Chris. A lot of times when, when dealing with the cases, it takes a lot to really get me going. But I still get very excited watching everybody else capture stuff. <laughs> that That's what keeps me going. <laughs> and it's just to that point where, you know, someone doesn't believe in it. A lot of people don't believe in the paranormal. And when they capture an EVP 
or they get a psychic uh, a photo or they get touched or they have an experience or something. To me, that's still intriguing because then my next thing is, what are you thinking right now? What's going through your mind? What's your thought process? Because to me, that's important. Because if a person just, eh, they keep shrugging everything off, then you know, you're know you not looking at it from that perspective of trying to comprehend and understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's important. Don't get me wrong. You know, a lot of people are just going right. to freak over dumb stuff that's not paranormal. Have you ever had like a, a gone into a place with like a skeptic, maybe a cameraman or something? Because you have your show Haunted Collector, which ran for a few years. Mm-hmm. Do you ever go in somewhere where something happened where there was a guy who went, I never believed this before, but now I think there's something going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've also, Chris, had skeptics come in, have things occur, things move, different things would occur and happen, and they still would debunk it. Hmm. So, you know, I smile about that today because the the running joke with me now is... I don't bother to try to prove anything anymore. There, you know, for the skeptic, we're never going to have enough information. We're never going to have enough proof to the believer. We have an overabundance. Well, that's what faith basically is. Yeah. If you're talking about you know, the Christian faith or whatever it mm-hmm. may be, if you believe, you believe. If you don't, you can never really convince somebody of it. Yeah, but look at all the uh, people out there that don't believe in religion or anything. Mm-hmm. And they have these experiences. They, they have hauntings. They have things that occur. It makes them take a step back, Chris. Mm-hmm. And they go... This isn't making sense. I didn't believe that, you know, devils or demons existed. I didn't believe God existed. But yet, now I got this haunting going on. I just seen a white lady float through my living room. I know it's not my imagination. So again, the mind process. That's what I look for in people. Are you evaluating it? Are you looking at this, trying to comprehend how can these things occur? How do they happen? And we know the basis uh, of a lot of things, regardless of anything, is energy. We're made of energy. And you can't destroy energy. But what I find intriguing about it is the energies that we deal with, they have an intelligence. And they know how to manipulate things and they know how to do things. So again, a lot of that I look at more openly today than I used to. You know, 40 years ago, somebody got touched or something. Oh, it's a devil and demon. I don't always look at it that way now. You can't. You know, because you think about it. If you're dealing with the human spirit, a ghost, and say his name's Charlie... He was a mean, rotten person in life, a drunk abuser. He's going to be like that as a ghost. Mm -hmm. So again, you have to take your time when evaluating it. Are we dealing with human spirit here or are we dealing with something on a negative level? Mm. That's interesting. And and just to kind of go back to what you were saying before about people that constantly debunk, it amazes me uh, er the arrogance of some people of the human race to think that there's nothing else besides what we see here. And if you're even talking about aliens ufos you're talking about strange creatures Mm -hmm. or you're talking about paranormal activity to think that we're the only uh species in this universe Mm -hmm. living dead and i find that to be very uh, like i said arrogant i i'm very open with a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. you have to be yeah and if you're not you're not going to achieve anything you're not going to gain any knowledge Mm -hmm. i mean again you know uh when I take that step back and look at it from 40 years ago, I evaluate and look at things a lot differently today. To, to accept the fact that there's a possibility of other existences, I can't rule any of that out. Right. I can't. Right. I, I, there's no way I can rule any of that stuff out. Shoot, one night I went to go look for the Loch Ness Monster. I was hoping the Loch Ness yeah, would show up. I took a trip there. <laughs> to yeah. John, went on yeah, the boat. I, I'm sitting there for hours and hours. And I'm, Come on, just pop your head out. I want to see I just want to see it. <laughs> I, so again, even with stuff like that, can anybody rule anything out? No. Mm-hmm. You just can't. 
I agree. I agree. You mentioned one thing, guys. You talk about a photograph of, of catching, you know, ghosts on on, on photos or specters or, or, or you know spirits. Did you see the recent one that just came out? My wife showed it to me just a few days ago. It was a car wreck, and out of the car wreck, you could see this Mother Mary esque looking kind of spirit going up to the sky, and a lady died uh, okay. at the photo at the, at the crash. Have you seen a lot of those type of photos yes. and, and, and how is that just a coincidence or in your experience, how does that happen? You know, for, uh, you gave me goosebumps. Oh, I see you got goosebumps right here. You got me goosebumps because you know, you, you're, I'm glad you're asking that. I, I definitely feel Chris at any point in time, uh, dealing with doctors, nurses, people that work in nursing homes, the stories that these people share at that moment of death, that something transpires something happens there's a part that that leaves the body and people witness it and people experience it and it's amazing to me how many nursing homes uh, facilities hospitals are extremely haunted locations a lot of them you'll never hear about because they don't want to be known for that you know they they don't want to freak their patients out worse than what they already are but you know again there's a tremendous amount where people uh, i've Oh, I, I would even say over the past 10 years when it comes to nurses and doctors more openly talking about the spiritual aspect of things. Hmm. It, it intrigues me. Now, at the point of uh, impact, as I call it, when a person dies in an automobile accident or uh, anything, you know, again, when we deal with this in, in this whacked out world that I call it, we all live in that we're interested in it, um, I do feel... There's been so many documented photographs and experiences of people dying on impact where they go to see somebody or somebody has captured that, you know, some type of energy, whether you call it the spirit, the soul, whatever, Mm -hmm. leaves that physical body. There's something that transpires. Where does it go? That's what the the million dollar question. We all want that. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? You know, I believe, you know, very strongly in the upper, you know, I believe very strongly in God. I believe very strongly that, you know, the demonic exists uh, with a lot of the things I've been involved with over the years. Mm -hmm. I can't rule all these things out. So with that, yes, I do definitely believe that some of those photographs. And stop and think about this, too. When When these photographs are taken, who's thinking about a ghost? Nobody's thinking about a ghost at that point in time. You know, you got your cops there, the, the fire department. They're taking picture of an accident scene. Yeah, they're taking pictures of an accident scene, and then all of a sudden, these things pop up in these photographs. Again, yeah. yeah. Once they're developed, or I guess not even developed anymore, once you look back at it on yeah. your phone or whatever it may be. And now it's, uh, we can't, there's more things I feel today that get captured due to the cell phones and the cameras and everything that it's incredible with, with some of the stuff people uh, capture. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a good one for you. Most people don't know this or really hear too much about it, and you'll find it interesting. Would you, it, it amazes me. Amazes me how many wedding photographs I've seen with parents or grandparents show up in the pictures. You're kidding me. No. It, it, it's ama- it amazes me when they're taking the group family shots, you know, uh-huh. the, the bride and groom. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and if you think about that, that's an important day for most people. Grandma's not here. Grandpa or my mom and dad's not here. And you think about them and they show up in the photographs. 
I, I can't tell you how many I've seen over there. Now, are you talking about like just a ball of light where they say that must be grandma or actual the face? I've seen faces. That's incredible. I have seen faces. A lot of people don't like to go public, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sharing those photographs. But it's amazing, you know, uh, seeing so many over the course of years just blows my mind. Who would think? Right, right, right. But think about that emotion, that emotion that's happening that day. Yeah. And, you know, geez, you know, I want them here and they're not here. And they show up just to let you know, hey, I'm around. Yeah, I'm checking this out. I'm checking it out. I'm here. <laughs> you mentioned that uh, just quickly about how a lot of people don't want to admit when they have strange experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the hardest thing to kind of get into what you do of people kind of looking at you like you're insane or like you're nuts or like you're a whack job? Do you get a lot of that as well? Um I do, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, uh, you know, when I was younger, yes, I used to bother me. I was very secretive about, you know, even doing the stuff or getting involved with a lot of it. But today, it, it doesn't even phase mm-hmm. me. You know, again, I know what I've witnessed. I know what I've seen. And uh, a lot of other people have experienced a lot of things. So today, I no longer look at it from that point of view. I mean, if you want to think I'm a whack job, that mm-hmm. sucks off. It's probably the same way that, that like, you know, for, for me, like being in the wrestling business, people go, oh, that stuff's all fake or that's all stupid. Mm-hmm. And you just get, you, you know, thick skin. If you like you it, do. great. If you don't, I don't give a shit. You know, this is yeah, what well, I that's do. That's my opinion, too. You know? Me, too. I'm the same way, you know? Again, too, and a lot of times if you do get that person that, that's a hardcore skeptic and, you know, they start hammering you, you know, and just keep it up, keep it up. It's like, you know what? At this point, that's fine. I'm not going to agree or disagree with what you're thinking, but don't ruin it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody else wants to hear about things. They, you know, they're not interested in, you know, just debunking everything and tearing it apart. So, right. But do you got to be careful? Yeah, you got to be very careful and very guarded. You know, today, it's very easy to manipulate things. And, you know, uh, it, again, you know, there, there's been different things where... Uh, when Photoshop and all this other stuff is, you know, I look at some of these things and go, that's too good to be true. Right. Too good to be true. I'm almost waiting for there to be like a ghostly image app. Yeah. Where you can just do that. There might already be that as far as I know. I'm not sure, you know. It probably is, Chris. There's so much stuff out there. All right. There are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, amigas. See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today.
The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! Talk is Jericho. So you grew up, like I said, you, you were you're the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who uh, I'd heard of even before the Conjuring movies, but now they're kind of the buzzword, you know, the... the, the oh, gosh, yeah. You know, the, yeah, they're yeah. portrayed as, like, the expert demonologists of the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s. Growing up as their nephew, did you were you close to them where you knew about all this, or was oh, it... Oh, yeah. It, it was a, a process that I'd been able to look over. I mean, you know, when I had my first experience, I was 15, 16 years old, Chris... I grew up in the 70s. I was a flower child. That's all I'm saying, dude. It was a Wednesday night. And at the foot of my bed, I had a transparent figure. And, you know, it freaked me out. So I went downstairs. I told my mom. Now, my mom was Ed Warren's twin. Oh, wow. But they were night and day. Okay. You would say ghost to my mother. She'd start crying. You say ghost to Ed. He'd go, where? Yeah. So anyways, I went up and and I was telling him about my experience. And my uncle looked at me and he goes, you didn't believe in all this? I said, no, I just thought it was a quick way to make a buck. And, you know, again, growing up with that and even hearing the stories and everything. But that's what sent me to start digging into things and trying to comprehend things. And uh, Let me just say, you, you said you thought it was a quick way to make a buck? Yeah. Okay, so you yeah. just thought it was all just a big gimmick. Yeah. Until you actually experienced Had an it experience. for yourself. Yeah. And that's why to this day, when somebody says, I've never experienced anything, it's hard for me to believe it. And I go, I can understand that. <laughs> I've been there. Right. So... You look at all that and, um, you know, you take that in anyway. So over the course of time, you know, uh, going to uh, see them or visit, because like I said, they don't live more than 20, 20 yeah, minutes yeah. away from me. And, um, you know, or it, it was always just, what, come on, let's go take a ride. Because my uncle uh, was one of the most unique people, and I understand it better now, but I didn't back then. But let's go take a ride. You didn't know where you're going to end up. You'd be going out to this haunted location, or you could be going here, or you could go to, you know, meet this person or something. And he would do that periodically over the course of several years. Then I really started getting interested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as in my twenties, I really started poking around with it. And then he would give me books and stuff. And you know, why don't you read that? Or did you know? Da, da, da. Then one day, I, I still remember, I said to my mom, I, I said, you know what? I said, I think I want to do some of the stuff that Uncle Warren does. Because his first name is uh, Warren. Oh, his first name was Warren. Yeah, his first okay. name's Warren. You know, oh. and, so that was like their stage names. Yeah. Ed <laughs> and Lorraine Warren is their stage okay. names. And um, again, um, you know, and it would start to, to build from there. Then he would just start telling me about different places. And I would just go check them out and stuff On like your own. That. On my own. Mm. And I'd just wander around and stuff like that. And uh, that went on, you know, for several years. And then it reached a point where I started working with them and started, you know, doing their investigations and working with a lot of people. And um, it just, it, it wasn't where I comprehend Chris and understood. They were just my aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. You know? They look for ghosts. It's Big like going deal, with them know? to work day. Yeah. <laughs> was it till when my uncle went down in 2001, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So never worried about nothing. I wasn't ever concerned about anything because if something went wrong, I just called them up. Mm-hmm. Never worried about nothing. And um, it was probably one of the uh, a difficult because I was with him the the morning or the afternoon he went down, and he wasn't a type of person that would sit and just 
how can I say, be uh, emotional. Mm -hmm. I mean, I seen it in him, but it sure. was rare. He wasn't a this sensitive day, type of guy. Yeah, we, he's sitting there talking. He goes, because he would call me kid. Mm -hmm. His kid, I'm not always going to be around. He goes, you know what to do. You've worked with a lot of people. He said, you're pretty much, you know, out there, you know what's going on, and you got to start taking charge and doing things, you know, uh, for your own, and blah, blah, blah. And he just went into this whole thing, and I turned and looked at him. I said, what the hell are you talking crazy like that for? I said, what you, I said, there's nothing wrong with you. Put his head back in his chair and just smiled. And he went down that night. You're kidding me. This has freaked me out to the, to this Goosebumps day. Goosebumps again. He knew. I don't care what anybody says to me. I don't care. And there were several other people that walked in, and they were witnessing part of it. And I, I turned and looked at him. I said, Uncle Warren, what the hell are you talking about? I said, you're not making any sense. And... At that point, the, the two other people were standing there going, well, what did he just say? And my uncle totally changed the whole subject. Hmm. And I let it go. And then when that phone call came in later that evening that he went down, I mean, that, that you know, just solidified in my mind that somehow, some way, do we get that yeah, connection you know, that, that we right. know something's getting ready to happen? You know, John, that happened to me. The, the first, you know, the first close friend you ever have that dies uh, is always a big blow. Yeah. For me, it happened in '94 with a guy that I worked with in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And before he went, he lived in Portland. Before he left to Portland, he said, "Hey, man, you know, we had different hotel rooms. Here's my sweet key. You want to go watch some movies? You want to go in my my place is your place." He lived in a big place. He lived in a small one. Said a couple things like that, and then passed away the next day or two later. And I remember even thinking about it. Did Art know he was going to die? Did something tell him inside? Because he gave me a big hug and said, I love you, man. I yeah. never had heard that from him. He was a very abrasive type guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think to this day, just like you said, something told him it was the last time he was going to see me. Yeah. He might not have even known it, but have you experienced more of that now since, oh, since God, yeah. your uncle uh, passed away? Again, too. Um, a, a bizarre thing, uh, Chris and I talk very openly about it now. It took me a couple of months to come to terms with it. Um, the day I had the heart attack. You know, I was fine. There was nothing wrong with me. Right. I would be popping around doing this and everything. You mentioned you had a bad heart attack a year or two ago, yeah. Huh? Because you had a bad heart attack like a year or two ago. Who? You did. You mentioned yeah. you had a heart attack? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. And, um, you know, just doing my things and boom, I went right down in, in that big family room that we just walked through. And the phone started ringing and you normally my wife does not call me during the day. Mm -hmm. And she called me for something and I'm like, come home, come home. And she was home within seconds. She doesn't work that far away from here anyways. And um, uh, with the onset of everything and then getting up to the hospital and stuff. And um, it was weird because it was just like something grabbed me and was just holding me inside. And I just couldn't. I, it was weird. But come to find out those are symptoms and I didn't know it. And um, during the course of it and everything, you know, thinking as I'm laying there, um, I'm like, Ma, are you around? Because my mom would always brush my beard. Hmm. Always, she would always do this, and it happened. I'm like, oh, okay, Grandma, you around? My grandmother would always squeeze my knee, and I'm like, Uncle Warren, you around? Two grabs on my shoulder, hmm. and I'm like, is this psychological? Is, is it all psychological? What the hell's going on here? And again, you know, it, it was different things that were occurring through the course of the evening, and boom, I was supposed to go in for all kinds of tests, and they came back, and they found the enzyme thing went up, and that, that mm -hmm. tells you, all right. So, uh, 6 a.m. in the morning, I'm on the phone, hon, get back up here, they're, rushed, they're, they're taking me down to surgery. She goes, what? And boom. So, you know, we're talking, going back and forth, and then they're prepping me and everything, and 
my phone rang again, and I thought it was my wife. So I grabbed it and picked it up, and uh, Chris, it was my sister, my oldest sister. You know how siblings are. We all fight. You know, and her and I hadn't talked in three years. Wow. And, you know, she's crying and going on, and um, I'm talking to her. And she goes, well, you're going to come out of this all right. She says, everything's going to go okay in, in surgery. And I went, Julie, how do you know I'm going in for surgery? She says, Mom and Grandma just told me. There was no way, Jose, Chris, my wife even had that. There wasn't enough time yeah, yeah, yeah. for my wife to even call her. Right. And say, hey, your brother's going in for surgery. And, you know, I lost it at that point. And your mom and grandma had passed away. Yeah, right, they're yeah. gone. And I'm like, wow. Jeez. And, you know, and I just thought about it and processed all that. And it just made me think about all of it and um, keep it with you. So moving forward with that, you know, you always hear people come around when people are near death. They see family members. I remember seeing it with several of my family members doing it. You know, a story I'll share with you. My father was a diehard guy not believing in any of this. Thought we were all nuts. Did, did he calls me up? Get up here, clunk. You go. You know, he was very old world. I went up. I said, "What's the matter, Dad?" Or Ralph. I always called him Ralph. He called me Ralph. And um, uh, mm -hmm. it, my sister's there. Your mother's over here. My blah blah blah. And I'm like, "Holy shit!" He finally believes. And I just stood there and I just looked at him and he goes, "Gotcha." And he <laughs> passed away that night. Wow. Now, to this, he got me right up to the end, Chris. Right up to the end, did he believe, did he see them, or was he just busting them on me? I don't know. Right. I don't know to this to, to this day. If you pick up the phone, that's your dad. I'm going to freak out. You. <laughs> but, again, with, with all this, then, you know, uh, a couple of months after that, but just, just one second, it is pretty creepy, right, when we're talking about this, that the phone rings. Like, it, it, I know it was somebody else, but just in the whole pantheon of stuff, we're talking about this whole situation and the phone rings right in the middle of this deep story that you're telling me about your dad and your family. You know, you know, coincidence, probably, but still. No, oh. because the first thing that went through my mind was, now, and I'm going to share it with you, because it popped in my mind when I looked down at the caller ID and it was uh, Brian Cano. Mm -hmm. He's like one of my freaking kids. Okay. All right, he's just, and I'm like, okay, I haven't talked to him in a while and I'm just like, all right, that's weird that he's calling right now, but um, actually he's in all the pictures. He was on Haunted Collector with us. Okay. And uh, uh, again, I believe very strongly with those connections with people. Right. It's, it, right. It, it's Maybe he just thought things. I should call John just so we're talking about all this stuff. You know, all of that is mm -hmm. tied into the energy that you spoke about. Mm -hmm. And this other world presence, God, if you believe in God or whatever it may be, that mm -hmm. connects us all, the force, if you're a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, coincidence, Maybe. But still so. deep, I, right? I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just don't think it anymore. So a couple of months afterwards, I processed everything about the, the heart attack crap. Mm -hmm. And where things started to go on. I'm out doing a couple of investigations because I had cut way back on doing everything. And as people are doing tape recordings and EVPs and different things, family members all start coming through. Now, the most prominent one that comes through, I mean, it's online. People have posted some of this you know, stuff. Family members that have passed away. Who comes through the most prominent out of everybody? Ed Warren. And the, the first four or five times it happened, I'm just like, this is freaking me out. And he's coming through with specific things, Chris, that nobody else would even know. So you're talking about different locations when, yes. you're, do, when you're doing the, the recording of the, of the yes. audio spirit. Yeah. He's talking? It, 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 
as how, clear how do you as know it's be. Ed? You hear his voice? I, okay, here's here's the freakiest of freaky things. We're doing um, a, a bizarre uh, situation that took place. We all ended up with this haunted inn in Mystic, Connecticut. About 15, 16 people. Now, six people out of the group are personal friends of mine and Ed and Lorraine Warren. That's how far back we all go. And we're all there. Everybody's using the different pieces of equipment. And one piece of equipment is where you can hear the voices coming directly right through. And Ed, 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 Ed. Yeah. Hey, kid. And everybody's like that. Because I'm looking at the faces. Because I don't, I don't like to feed people. I don't mm. like to feed info to anybody. And everybody's looking at me. And all of a sudden, everybody's going, Warren. And I went, like that. Then we started going back and forth, and we we're having the conversation. I said, "Ed, are you trying to get something across?" And he goes, "Yeah, I know. Deb's over there. One of the girls named Debbie was sitting across from us." And then Debbie started going back and forth, and he had a conversation with her. And then it reached a point where I was like, "Okay, you know, Ed, we're trying to do an investigation here." And I said, "This ain't helping the situation. It's because you're not letting anybody else talk." Boom! 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 Three big bangs came right up through the floor. Hmm. So I, we're all just standing there, and I look at the owners, and I'm watching one of the poor guys. He's standing there shaking, the owner of this inn. And I go, what's the matter, Mike? And he goes, that's never happened before. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, is the furnace or anything underneath here? And, you know, this part where we, he goes, John, there's nothing. There's no plumbing, nothing. So, all right. I went down and looked. There's nothing there or anything like that. But the six of us that were there as a uh, part of the 15, 16 of us knew my aunt and uncle. And Chris, two of them were diehard skeptics, and they were crying on the way home. Hmm. Crying. I, and it flipped me out. Now, but when you say you were talking to them, is this a voice that everybody's hearing? Or, or, or what capacity were you talking to them? Throughout the house, you're hearing this voice? No, this one room we were in. Throughout the room, you're hearing this voice? Through through this piece of equipment, yes. Is that, are you listening to it with an earpiece? No, or? no through speakers. Wow, and what kind of equipment is that? Well, the, the piece of equipment that we've been using lately, or uh, I've been using, is called EchoVac. It's an app on, and you put it on the cell phone. Okay. All right. And once this piece of equipment was being used by several people... And it started getting more prominent. I had people calling me, saying to me, John, I don't know how to put this to you. And I'm going, what? They're going, Johnny, your uncle's talking to me. I go, what are you talking about? I said, you never knew my uncle. And, and then they would start telling me stuff. That, And then they would start playing it. And I'm listening to it and going, this is creepy. Mm-hmm, and it's freaking mm-hmm. me out. It's too close, Chris. It's sure, of course, close. of course. So now it's to the point where... Several prominent voices are all coming through that are family members or personal friends, and they're saying their names as clear as day. Hmm. And it's it's creepy. It's unbelievable. It, it's very creepy to the fact that all these other people are witnessing it. Right. You know, and my uncle comes forth, and there's been several times, and he'll just say, it, you're not listening. You don't listen. And he always used to say that to me. Hmm. Always. He goes, you don't listen. You don't pay attention. And I'm like, what are you talking? And then he starts saying it over the freaking thing and freaks me out. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Right, right. So I take all that into consideration that something happens, you know, when different parts happen in our lives. And that's what led me into 
sharing it's real, all right, that with right, you. right. So you know, and, and like I mentioned, we're here at your place, and it's a, a veritable museum of the paranormal. I mean, that's what you actually call it. That's what you want eventually mm-hmm. open up a, an actual museum yeah. with all of these artifacts and all of these. Uh, there's there there's dolls, there's statues, there's trinkets, there's mirrors, there's paintings. Where did you start collecting all of this stuff? And and first of all, how, how many pieces do you think you have? And all of these are paranormal related. Well, uh, the majority the major- of everything I have is there's two or three collections I have out there that have nothing to do with uh, anything. The owls and the Renaissance things that I collect and some of the Egyptian stuff. No. That's sure. Okay. But um, it all started one time being out with my uncle. We did an investigation. Woman collected these little statues. She picked one up and she said it was moving all over the house and freaked out and wanted out of the house. My uncle take it, took it. Here, kid, take it. And I didn't think at that point what he was doing. I now I understand it. What? Like, well, yeah. I'm what like, was he doing? What's he doing? What are you giving this to me for? Because he knew then I was going to start poking around. And go, can uh... items be haunted? Can items? And I did. And that's you know when I started researching, reading what I can get my hands on, and you know, uh, figuring it all out. And ever since then, I looked at it totally different with haunted items. Mm-hmm. So how many how many pieces do you I have? I don't even know. As you can see, Chris, you walk through, there's boxes full of things I've never even opened. So people send you these things? Yes. There's things that are, have been sent uh, via cases I've worked on or different things. And uh, over the course of the past several months, um, there, like I said, there's boxes that are sealed that have been sent to me that I haven't even had an opportunity to even open up yet. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go through some of these. The first thing I wanted to mention was the dolls. And the reason why uh, it it strikes a chord to me, because both sets of my grandparents at their house both had dolls that I remember. I can still see them in my head as a kid. Mm -hmm. Were they haunted? I don't think so. Did they freak me out incredibly? Yes. Mm -hmm. There was this one. You know those... um, I don't even know. You make them out of apples, or they have little beady eyes, and they're—I don't know how it was made. But the, my grandma used to have them in her room. I would have to cover it with a towel before I could sleep. I never told anybody. And then there was kind of little clown dolls that my other grandparents had that I would have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, freaked me out immensely as a kid. So many dolls here, all of them with with stories attached. At least, Chris, I'd say ninety percent of them. There are dolls out there that. People have given me and not said anything. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong with it. I just don't want it around. I just don't want it around. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, when it comes to dolls, it's crazy. I mean, there's some really, really bizarre ones. But there's one baby doll. This is a story I don't often share. And unfortunately, it's packed up. A little baby doll like this that a, a, a child would play with. Mm-hmm. Not one of the porcelain, you know, decorated Like a plastic ones. baby. It was a... a and going back and forth on the telephone with this woman and she's going back and forth it was my daughter's doll blah 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 and everything like that and I'm like found out that the the child had passed away and I go well you know what I don't think it's anything negative I don't think it's anything to worry about and she goes I have to break the connection I have to let it go because I feel she's still attached with the doll the woman sent me the doll and it, you know, had dark brown spots on it. I'm like, what the, what the heck is all this? You know, in my mind, I'm just thinking, all right, it's food from a kid. And um, I get back on the phone, I'm talking to her. I said, it arrived. And she goes, oh, good, I'm glad it's there. She says, I need to move forward. I said, I just want to ask you. I said, 
what are some of those stains? She goes, well, John, that's the blood from my daughter. She was holding it when she was killed in the car. Oh, my Lord. That, again, that hit a spot with me, like, oh, my gosh, how could she part with something like that? But, like, in her mind, she was processing it that she wanted to be able to move on in her life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said, I'm not concerned with you having it because I know it'll be safe and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to do something like that, it, it to me is an amazing thing and, and that took a lot of courage for that woman mm. to be able to let that doll go but but how does that have paranormal connotations is that more of just a sentimental value thing or was no, there... I think it's both mm. I think it's both uh, again losing a child is one of the most nightmare nightmare most anybody nightmare. anybody could go through as a parent and to be able to do something like that and from the grieving process do I feel that energy remains with personal items from those kids oh absolutely Oh, I so you. I think that's a double whammy, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a double whammy where there's probably still some of the child's energy plus the mom's energy associating it with it. Definitely could have made it where there was something with it. Because I do remember when I opened it up and I was I touched it and everything, but and I was looking at it. I said to myself, this is, you know, it, it, it's just kind of creepy, period. It was just kind of creepy to me. But I didn't really think it was anything on a negative level. But again, I do think that there's something attached to it from that child have you ever had any experiences with some of the dolls where i mean you think about the movie annabelle which i believe was another warren case oh, gotcha. you mentioned that your aunt still has the actual annabelle yes. doll yeah. of a doll being basically possessed would that be a fair way to say it or yes um do i believe that there uh there's many of the dolls out there that have been used in rituals meaning uh different people could do practices like a voodoo doll oh. with a, an intent and purpose you know, voodoo dolls are a real thing. People put things inside them, they sew them up, and they give them to people, and it does trigger things with people. Mm. It does occur, and it does happen. So with that, when energy is deliberately attached to something, I do feel very strongly that this can cause problems, and especially on a negative level. Yes. You're talking about if negative energy is attached. And you, are you meaning like the, uh, the, is it just urban legend, movie, lore, or we're talking about the, the voodoo doll where they stick a pin in it and oh, the I person feels work. it from a spell, mad, yes. bad magic? Yes, I believe very strongly. Well, voodoo is a religion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very uh, much practiced today, just like a lot of uh, other different types of things. And it's very powerful and it's very strong magic. Wow. All right. I believe very, and like I said, there, there's numerous dolls out there created as quote unquote voodoo dolls. Mm -hmm. So again, it, it's something that um, does exist, does happen, and I believe the intent is there. Mm -hmm. we, we looked through some of the other stuff that you had, and you had uh, th there was a, a, a mask that was made of glass, almost like a shattered mirror. Yes, looked very interesting to me. What, what was what was that? Again, a lot of times when things are created from an art perspective that was created there's a lot of pieces of broken glass glued on and a face was created but what was interesting about it was the person liked it because it was that modern deco looking at that point but inside the head there was like a little altar set up there's all kinds of little crystals and rocks and everything uh, strategically placed in there so there was an intent and purpose when that was created. And I definitely believe that whomever did this, they did it with the intent of having spirit attract to it. Because it's one of your most common things is rocks, um, glass, spirit attracts to that. Mm -hmm. And it attaches to it. 
So I think there was an intent and purpose with that that piece of artwork, and it was deliberate. They brought it home. They had a lot of paranormal activity occurring in the house, and it was within a couple of days they just wanted it out. Hmm. So how does it end up in your hands? Normally, a lot of times... Um, you get telephone calls or emails or I could be working with another paranormal group or anything and, you know, um, I can go to go pick it up or, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. people come to me and they'll bring them or sometimes they'll ship different things to me. You know, so that's how I end up with a lot of it. Because that was the concept of Haunted Collector, yeah. your show. And would you go to different people's houses and, and examine some of these pieces? Like, yes. Was there some strange things that unexplained that happened? You tell us about that a little oh, bit. Oh, gosh, yeah. The, uh, uh, a lot of times with the uh, items... And trying to, a lot of times it's like a, a needle in a haystack, mm -hmm. and you, you just do that process. You know, okay, boom, we're down to this room. Could it be something in here? A lot of times you do EVPs or you start checking to see if you can pick anything up. Sometimes it can home in on a particular item. Then I'll go, okay. Then you ask the homeowner, what's the story with this? Where did it come from? Blah, 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 blah. And then you'll always get the same thing. As a matter of fact, and I go, here we go. <laughs> you know, you get this story. I picked it up at a garage sale or this particular person wanted me to have this. That tells me there could be an intent and purpose tied in with it. Oh, wow. Take this haunted yeah. item. Yeah. And you, believe it or not, the majority of the time I'll always tell people, you know, uh, right, on the, right from the get-go, just take it out of the house, put it in the garage or out in your barn or whatever, and let's see if everything calms down. And if it does, then we remedy it. We, you know, there's no reason to even investigate. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you want to bring it back in? Uh, no, you want it, you take it. <laughs> so again, a lot of times that's how these things occur and things happen. Is it that simple though? Let's say I had a haunted doll mm -hmm. and I just threw it in the trash or I threw it in the fire and burned it or destroyed it with a hammer. Does that make the, the spirit go away if there's is some issues that are causing activity? One thing I always uh, tell individuals, never break or burn an idol. Because if there is something with it, it's going to gravitate right towards you instantly. Wow. There are people that burn things and know what to do from, you know, a proper perspective, you know, mm -hmm. with uh, uh, their belief systems and their rituals. And I always tell them, you know, that's fine. And I can handle that and I can accept that. Uh, but your average person, I don't recommend that they do it. I re recommend that they get it removed, call somebody in to get it removed. Big thing today is a lot of people are collecting haunted items and keeping them in their houses hmm. and i don't think it's a good thing it intermingles with the person's energy it can wreak havoc in their lives and i've seen it happen several times already you know ah, i don't i don't believe in that i don't think that's going to happen boom all kinds of paranormal activity broke out i go well you're bringing the haunted items in your house. What do you want me to do? You know? <laughs> you're asking for trouble. You're asking for it. You know? right. You're granted permission for them to come in. So, <laughs> But uh, you, you got to be very guarded and very careful with that. Chris, as you can see, everything paranormal is separate from my house. Everything's out here in this outer building. There's nothing paranormal. So this is kind of like we're like in a guest house or something out here. Yeah. Or your office. The barn, you. the, I, call it, I call it the barn. And it's totally separate from everything. Anything paranormal. Oh, nothing yeah. goes in your actual yeah. house. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's smart. A few years ago, I went and saw a movie that it was talking about. I can't remember what the name of the movie was. It wasn't very good. But the concept of it was the Dybbuk. The Dybbuk box. The, the Dybbuk box. box. Yes. Uh, you have a Dybbuk box here. Explain exactly what that is and tell me the story behind the one that you have. Well, you know, again, too, with, with different cultures and belief systems, um, you know, in Judaism, they believe very strongly in that creating a box and putting certain things in it. 
in sealing it with their religious perspective and everything, and that that negative energy is sealed in there because they don't necessarily believe in demons and things that we do. Mm -hmm. But you know, and this has been practiced by a lot of people. And what in, we noticed ended up happening over the past several years is that it's always supposed to remain within a, within the family. You know, again, and um, a lot of times they just end up in yard sales and tax sales and everything. Now people hmm. purchase them and they could wreak havoc once the seal is broken. Now, the bizarre thing is it's not just from the Judaism perspective. It's done in a lot of other cultures and belief systems where people seal things in things and bury them or do different uh, 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 things with it. Mm -hmm. I have one little box that's right out here, sealed with wax, and it has a cross embedded in the wax. And again, is that going to be from Judaism? No, not not with the Roman you know, You're right. Catholic cross on it. So it makes you wonder sometimes what people do or what they're practicing when, when they feel they're sealing things in a box. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I have seen situations where people broke them open and all hell breaks those. So you, you mentioned that call Hell's Breakers. Are you talking about more things that go bump in the night? Are you talking about more apparitions or, or what's going on when that happens? You, you, I always feel that um, th there's a process. It's very seldom anything will hit one, two, three. Mm -hmm. It's usually a buildup. You know, people see things move, lights go on and off, or you know, quirky things start to happen. Mm -hmm. Then things usually escalate. And the reason they escalate is because they're trying to get your attention. Once it gets your attention, then usually the haunting will go into full effect. Whether they see forms, you know, things could get moved around. People start getting pushed, scratched. Their dreams start to get affected. Dreams, and really? Dreams is the most common state that spirit will communicate. Really? Yes. Now, I've had experiences like that as well from yeah. people that have died that have come back in dreams and talked to me where it wasn't just a dream but given advice mm -hmm. or predicted things that were going to happen. I've had that happen probably half a dozen times in mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. You know? dream, dream, the dream state is the most common communication, I think, that that takes place. Because how many times, you know, geez, I dreamt about Grant. You, you get these stories from people. I dreamt about Grandma passing away. <laughs> Phone rings the following morning. Grandma died. Mm -hmm. How many of these? They, they Countless, countless stories. All the time. <laughs> All yeah. the time. Or you'd be thinking about something. It happened with me a couple of years back. I was thinking about my buddy, uh, Pete. Him and I, good friends. A uh, typical motorcycle dude, you know, you wouldn't think him and I were would have been mm -hmm. buds. And I hadn't talked to him in about a week or two weeks. And I, I had a dream about him. I said, I got to get Peter Qual, see what's happening. Following morning, the phone rang, and his wife tells me he got killed on his motorcycle. Oh, my gosh. And I said, how freaky was that? But we all have those things that occur and happen. Are are, are these just fluky things? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think they're fluky at all. So we're here in Connecticut, and it seems like so much activity happens in the New England area. Do you have a reason for that? Or? Well, uh, Chris, I really don't. I've never had it that way. Mm. Again, you know, a lot of people say that to me. Oh, it, it should be super haunted in the New England area. I deal with stuff all over the place. Always have. Okay. Yeah. So again, when it comes to hauntings or uh, dealing with things, you know. Uh, uh, Again, New Orleans, perfect example. I mean, that place has all kinds of crazy things going on. I've been into other lo you know, other states where there's, for some reason or another, a lot more hauntings. Because a lot of people think, oh, all right, you know, because you got the 17 and 1800s buildings. No. Hmm. You know, a lot of times you could deal with something that's brand new that ends up being haunted. What are some of the worst places you've been as far as with activity, houses or places like that? I did probably... I would say the, the 
two particular ones, and especially up here uh, uh, in the Connecticut area, the haunting in Connecticut. Right, the movie. The uh, the that that was a, a really big turning point with me with demonology, because that's where I seen um, a, a full thing that formed on the staircase. And it was transparent, it was huge, it was ugly looking, and it started coming down the staircase. And, you know, it scared the living hell out of me. The only thing I wanted to do was get my car keys and leave. Hmm. Why? Reality just set in. I just seen a full freaking, whether you want to call it a devil, a demon, whatever it was, and I finally witnessed that. And that's what, going on uh, 28, 29 years ago now. And that's what the movie Haunting Connecticut was based? Is it yeah, a house? A haunted, a haunted old haunted funeral home that was turned into a home. You know, people lived there. Our family, Carmen and Al, and uh, several of their kids. And there was a tremendous amount of activity affected everybody that was involved with that case. Everybody went through all kinds of things. But, like I said, that right there was the biggest turning point for me because then it was now part of a reality. It was no longer just... You know, hearing or seeing pictures or anything of the you know these big hooded creepy things that uh, mm-hmm. go after people, and it took me three days of thinking and processing it on uh, what transpired and what happened that night. And I made a decision that night when I left that I wasn't going to be involved with the paranormal no more. Mm. This was getting too real. It was it was getting too real at that point. But I did go back in, and the only reason uh, I made that decision because I was talking to a bishop, very good friend of the family. He goes, John, we don't even know what happened. You didn't tell nobody nothing. So I explained everything to him. And I said, Bish, you know what? I said, you people can keep all this freaking stuff. I want nothing to do with it no more. And he got very quiet. And he goes, well, then what it's set out to do, he says, you're going to let it win. And I go, well, what do you mean by that? He says, its intent and purpose was to scare you enough so you wouldn't be around to be able to help people again. He says, are you going to let it win? Put it to me that way. I had to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's got a good point. You know, I did go back three days later. Was I scared? Yeah. I haven't been back in that house since. Hmm. I, and, and it's not that the house is haunted now. Um, from everything I've heard, everything got cleared after the exorcism was performed and everything. It's do I want to relive that? Mm-hmm. Do I want to stand in that big hallway and look back up that staircase and see that? I don't know if I'm ready for that or not yet. So you were called in to kind of investigate the house? Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, spent nine and a half weeks investigating uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, I was working with them. That was technically their case. Oh, that was another Warren case. Yeah, that okay. was another Warren case, sure. Hmm. Yeah. So when you saw this big, ugly configuration demon, was it uh, negative energy scaring you? Did you feel threatened? I petrified. <laughs> I was totally petrified, scared to death. You know, I didn't find out until about several years later. Someone was talking to my wife, and she said, I knew something major happened. She said because uh, for the three nights that he was home, he would shake at night. She never told you because we didn't talk about her or anything like that. And then after the interview, I said to her, I said, you never mentioned that. <laughs> she, she goes, I, she says, I knew something major happened. She says, when you were ready to talk about it, you talk about it. And she said, you know, I, she, I was very concerned. She said, but she said, you would just start shaking. And I, you kept going, no, no, at night like that. Because I don't usually have night terrors or anything mm-hmm. you know, uh, prior or anything, but... So again, with that, that that was a big turning point in me having to face the fact that these things can materialize. They do occur. They do happen. And it it just altered me after Mm -hmm. that point in time. Was it the most terrifying thing that's happened to you in your investigations? No, I'd say probably the most terrifying 
when seeing a person that is legitimately, legitimately possessed, that's probably one of the uh, things where I still keep my guard very high. Um, I'm very guarded, very cautious, because when you're dealing with true possession, it, you know, it's not the mental illness, it's not any of this other stuff. And when they go under and these things start talking through, start telling you about things about your life, your personal life, that they should have no knowledge, they gain an enormous amount of strength, they start talking in crazy voices, they could break out of straight jackets, you could see welts coming out on them. When these things occur and happen, that, that to this day, that's still... That's and and still, you've, you've seen that. I've witnessed a lot of this. I've witnessed a person levitate. Now, not up in the air and start twirling or anything, but they levitated up out of the chair and they went right back down into the chair. It took me two days to process that. Two days mm -hmm. to process it. How, how did that occur? How did it happen? And again, it was a super intense case and it, it was something that just... When, when you have those type of experiences, you don't forget a detail. Of course not. They stay with you the rest of your life. They don't go away. Are you getting called in once again? Like you, there's, there's a local bishop. You mentioned you were friends with the bishop. Mm -hmm. He's calling you in to get your professional opinion on what could be happening to this person or why no, are you, why are you there? there? To assist. To assist with the exorcism? With the exorcism. That's something that you do as well? Oh, yes. I have for years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, constantly. Uh, there's so much, Chris, that I, I do get involved with. I never just bring it public. Well, you probably can't talk about you some of that stuff, uh, right? No. Um, again, to... Um, with the demonology field, um, it's a world within itself, if that makes any sense to you. It's a fairly large group of individuals uh, that I've worked with, and I still to this day, um, when they need help uh, with a parishioner or anything, a lot of times I will jump in and help and assist. Will I ever do an exorcism over a person? No. No, I will not. In what that. ways can you assist? Uh, again, too, will I do different things as far as blessing a piece of property or trying to clear a piece of property, do bindings over items? Yes, uh, things of that nature I will do. When it comes into the, the real McCoy, as I call it, true possession, you got to call your spiritual people in for that. Mm -hmm. That's their job. They're trained to do that. You know? There's actual people trained exorcists out there. Worldwide. Wow. In all religions. Really? All religions have the rights of, you know, depending on how you want to call it, what you want to do or whatever. It's a world that I've seen Buddhist monks perform them. I've seen rabbis do these things. I've seen priests, ministers, shamans, medicine men perform all these different types of rituals. And let me tell you something. Chris, you walk away with a... a understanding and a respect for so many different belief systems out there and you know the the running joke with me has always been i've seen buddhist and i've seen uh uh rabbis walk in kick ass walk out and you, you don't even know what hit it's just it, it's an amazing thing to witness but yet you never hear about a lot of it you just well, yeah, don't. You, you can't just pick up, you know, the the go the phone book or Google, you know, no. exorcist. Exorcists no. are us. No. Well, that that's that's another running joke with me too, because people call me up. Oh, I'm possessed. I need an exorcist. I said, Well, I don't have them on speed dial. I don't have nine one one. Yeah. Right. 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 You know. But again, it's a, there, there's a whole world 
that whole underworld I, that we don't yeah, know about so, and hear we, about. We used to call it the underworld. Yeah, you know that that a lot of us are involved with, and there, it, it's amazing. A lot of the people that are involved with it that just no mm. one would ever imagine. Does the exorcism always work? No. So then, what happens? Uh, a lot of times, if something's not successful, a lot of times they can be repeated several times. And at that point, you're trying to figure out, is the person welcoming it back in? Or we're, are, are we dealing with something that is multiple? Because spirit attracts spirit. So uh, the majority of the time, you'll find that they have many entities that can be within them. It's not just one. And they can go back in and perform it several times till they get to that main source or they get a name or they can get a clue to relate it to something to focus those direct prayers right. to be able to break it. That's something that you saw in The Conjuring too. Once again, not knowing what's real and what's not, but once they identified the name of the of the demon, they were mm -hmm. able to combat it a lot easier. Correct, which is the truth. Mm. That is the truth. And um, uh, that's what, uh, you know, a lot of times you... As you're digging into it, and as a, an exorcism or a deliverance is being performed, you will always hear them say, "Tell me your name. Tell me your name." And if they're able to get that name, that that that's a key element with being able to break it. How did you become uh, kind of uh, trained to be an exorcist? My uncle. He okay. Ed Warren. He was yeah. one as well. He um, oh, not not an exorcist well, per se, was, but yeah, he to was, assist. Yes, he he, he was. You know what we would call a uh, demonologist. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and is that what a demonologist means? Someone who can so, so, so expert at demons. Well, I, I, a demonologist is is basically uh, one that studies a variety of different things, and and has a good comprehension of what that whole world is about. And it's not just for, for like I said, just from a Christian perspective, Christianity. It's every faith that we have, every culture out there has something that ties in with it. So a lot of that ties in with that. Ed Warren was Roman Catholic. And he would, you know, follow the doctrine with that. But he also worked with a lot of other people. And that's how I got my understanding. And that's how I met a lot of the other uh, uh, spiritual people out there that got involved with this field. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I'm Roman Catholic, a practicing one. But I'm a demonologist slash researcher. <laughs> so therefore, I have to keep an open mind working with other people. Mm -hmm. And... To be honest with you, I'm intrigued by all religions out there. I find them fascinating. Very fascinating. I'm not in it to Bible thump or, or mm. you know, go after somebody because of what... Once the again, are. the open mind of, of the different people's beliefs and, and, you know, systems and that sort of thing, right? Huh? The open mind, having, we talked about earlier, but having an open mind to yes. different people's beliefs. Let's yeah. talk a little bit more about a couple more of the artifacts down there. You mentioned the, there's a picture of a baby that's got some, like a demon-looking baby with wings. There's a painting. Yeah. Yeah. What's the story behind that? Good friends of mine, they dated for years, a beautiful girl. Uh, they ended up breaking up. She ended up moving on with her life. Married a very successful uh, business guy, cars, servants, whole nine yards. My buddy was still moping around. He was still madly in love with her. She knew it. And uh, he called her. It was her birthday. Asked her to go out and have lunch. She agreed and everything. She wanted to just sit down and say, dude, come on. you got to move on with your life. And he presented her uh, with that sketch. Now, she calls me about a week, two weeks later. And she goes, Johnny. Most people call me Johnny. Uh this is freaky, this is weird, I'm dreaming about him, I started wearing jewelry he gave me, I'm fighting with my husband, this all happened after I went out and had uh, lunch with him and he gave me that stupid sketch and I went, what sketch? 
So I went up her house immediately. She had it down in the uh, basement. Uh, she brought it up. I took one look at it, and I went, uh-oh. So I removed it immediately. I didn't say too much to her because she, she didn't believe in any of this. Mm-hmm. And everything stopped. Everything totally stopped with her. You know, so I'm poking around looking at it and everything. I'm looking at where some of the red that's on there. I think he used blood and different things in there. And I said, he did a ritual to try to win her back. I know he did. I just know it. So anyways, poking around with it and getting on the phone with him and everything. And I asked him and he confessed up to it. And I said, dude, don't do stuff like that. And I said, that does work. I said, you could have messed her whole life up. Mm. So, you know, to this day, she still will not talk about the whole thing. Mm. She goes, I don't care what you did with that sketch. I don't, I don't want to know nothing about it. I don't, I don't know what you found out about it or anything. I want nothing to do with it. Is this something, obviously, I'm assuming he wasn't a black magic practitioner. Did he look it up online on how to do this? Or? Yes, he did, sir. He started poking around. I don't know if he got it out of a book. I don't know if he found it online. But he told me, and he goes, you figured that out pretty quick. I said, yeah, I did. I said, very, very quick that you did something. Once again, you're messing with something you don't understand. That's you know what always seems to backfire mm-hmm. and get you when you do. You know, and to this day, I yelled at him for doing it. Did I ever acknowledge the fact that something affected her? No, I won't. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last few questions. I know that, that you talk about the barn out here, but your overall goal is to open up an actual museum of the paranormal. What my dream is at this point in time is I'd love to get to in Mystic, Connecticut. It's one mm-hmm. of my most favorite places. I don't know if you've ever been there. Or not. I haven't. But you mentioned before you oh, had the experience well, there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an old seaport, nine yards and everything. Uh, it's a perfect place for it. You know, um, I hope to, you know, someday in the very short future get something established there, you know, so everything can keep going after I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I don't want to leave it on my kids or my wife to have to to worry about what needs to be done with everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hoping to be able to get that done. The other thing, too, is I want to open it up where people can come in and see some of the different things. Mm -hmm. Because really a lot of these things have never been out in the public. Sure. With, a, with an explanation of what each piece exactly. is, right? Exactly. Yeah. When, when you did Haunted Collector, what was your uh, your favorite episode? My most favorite episode was uh, Jordan Springs down in Virginia. Affected me. Well, there's two, but that affected me to a point where it was a piece of property. Um, Tony, the owner, she purchased it to preserve it. Uh, the land history went dated back, and she found out that you know Native American it was one of their major sites, and da, 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 the whole nine yards. And then this big conflict broke out, where um, you know she purchased the property, she uh, got everything secured, sinking millions and millions of dollars into it, and she's a very religious person. It was a monastery. You know, to, to, she's trying to preserve everything, and her luck started to change. Somebody broke one of the big statues out in front, and everything started going downhill. And then she tell me about this one area near this grotto they had there. And blah, blah. We're poking around and everything, Chris. And in my mind, it's already registering. I said, somebody did something. And as I was talking to her and I said, you know, any issues with the Native Americans? She goes, yeah, there's been quite a few things. And, you know, uh, not going too deep into mm-hmm. it. So right away, I figured it out. And she told me that one area there, they don't want me to build or do anything over there. I went, uh-huh. We started poking around and everything, and one of the uh, researchers was out there, and they found what we call a fetish doll, mm-hmm. and this is Native American. Then they spotted it. I went and pulled it out and everything. I called the shaman. What Frank. exactly is the fetish doll? The fetish doll was done to be able to do a curse towards the owners of the property. And is it just like a primitive-looking doll? 
Yeah, it, it was creepy. Okay. <laughs> it was very creepy looking, uh, things sticking out of it and all kinds of stuff. So I got a hold of a, a good friend of mine that was a shaman. Um, he took a look at it. He knew what it was immediately. Uh, we set up, we explained everything to the owners, and she was totally freaked out over this whole thing. And uh, the shaman burnt it right there on site as they had uh, performed the ritual and everything. And um, it got a lot of the negative perspectives that were occurring on that piece of property to go. Hmm. And, you know, speaking to her and a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of the footage never made it into the episode, which was disappointing for me. It helped to uh, calm things down a lot. And a lot of the negativity broke shortly right after that. It was based around that doll. Yeah. Huh. And I think the most intense, Chris, was we did Joplin, Missouri. We did a case out there. And come to find out, three generations of the family was involved with the recovery after the big uh, uh, tornado went through there and devastated everything. And each and every one of them had experiences. None of them all talked about it and everything. And um, the son-in-law, you know, uh, they were at the mother-in-law's house and they were all kinds of activity. And we all sat down and started talking about it and connecting the dots and everything. And um, the son-in-law, uh, professional, and just not the type to react, on a paranormal level, stood there and just had a, a conversation with me. He goes, he goes, to this day, I just feel guilty. And I go, well, what do you feel guilty about? He said, there was this guy that was impaled and he ended up dying. And I kept telling him he'd be okay, he'd be okay. He goes, I let him down. I go, no, you didn't. Hmm. And he goes, what do you mean, Johnny? I says, you were there with him. He didn't die by himself. Mm -hmm. And it was this big, you know, whole thing between him and I. Chris, uh, even to this day, all of the production company still talks about this because I'm friends with a lot of them to this day. Everybody broke down crying. Hmm. Him and I are huddled on the floor crying with each other over this big kumbaya moment that transpired. <laughs> but it helped him. That evening, we were packing up. We were leaving, going to the next shoot. I ended up violently ill in the hotel room. And I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't react. And... Finally, when I got myself uh, coordinated, my cell phone was there and I just kept hitting. And finally, I was able to get my son, Chris. And he goes, what do you want, Dad? I said, help, help. And he goes, Dad. And, and, you know, it was crazy. They wouldn't let anybody in the room. Finally, they got somebody to open the door. They walked in. My room was full of blood. I was spewing blood throughout the whole... It was like a murder wow. scene took place. And, you know, anyways... Uh, Chris, the reason I talk about that, it took me several days to come to terms with it. Was it something that I had picked up and I emotionally went through this whole thing? That guy was impaled and the blood and oh, all this. Oh, wow. It freaked me right out. Totally, totally freaked everybody right out that witnessed this whole thing and saw this thing. And it was so bad, I ended up getting hospitalized because I got dehydrated and everything. And um, it was just the weirdest thing. Those are the two cases out of the three seasons, I think, that affected me more than anything. Almost like you were a conduit for yeah. the guy who had been impaled and would be spitting yeah. blood. Yeah. Was I experiencing uh, the effects of right. that, that, that emotional trauma, that emotional thing that everybody went through and everybody was experiencing? To this day, I still feel that way. Did you ever have any medical reason for throwing up of the blood? They told me it was food poisoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to throw up blood? <laughs> it was beyond anything. And I can't remember all of it. The draperies were covered. Mm. The bathroom, everything was just... And I don't remember getting up and down 
vomiting sure. all night long. But evidently I did. But then in the morning when I woke up and I looked around and I was just like, I couldn't move. Like I said, my cell phone was there and mm. I just hit it and I finally got my son. Mm. Um, but that, that, those were the two situations, I think, out of uh, any of the episodes that, that were probably the most, the most. Uh, affecting to yeah. me. Last question. What's the um, creepiest or most evil or, or worst artifact that you have here? It's so difficult because all of them have uh, unique stories. I mm-hmm. think one of them is that little black idol you see that was on the fireplace mantle in the back. Mm-hmm. I was pointing it to you, a uh, young man had picked it up and he had it in his house well for six weeks time he started practicing black magic and doing rituals and everything well you know he was changing wasn't going to school the parents didn't know what was going on one night he comes down screaming and crying to his mom and dad i don't know what i did it's a mess up there they ran up into his room he had an altar set up the statues there he goes whatever i conjured up it's here it's inside that now and it's telling me to kill myself well, they were horrified over this whole thing. They called their minister in. The minister was doing everything. I got a telephone call midstream. I go and, you know, help them break down the altar and everything. And parents look at me and they go, just take all that stuff out, the books and the idol and all that. And to this day, that that's still there. Um, you know, and the, the young man had a deliverance performed over him and he, he was perfectly Deliverance is similar that. to an exorcism? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Incredible stuff, John. What, yeah. a, what, a, what a place you have here fascinating stories well thank you for uh interviewing me and, and stopping on by buddy when you open up the museum i want a seasons pass i'll be there <laughs> as much as i can <laughs> thanks man all right buddy i got a new game sport it's called hide the soul and guess what you're it Wow, thanks to John Zaffis for sharing so many creepy stories about his incredible collection of haunted items and pictures. I'll be the first one in line when he finally opens his haunted museum up in Mystic, Connecticut. Uh, lots of uh, creepy stories, and I'll post some of the pictures that I took at John's house on the Twitter, at Talk is Jericho. Probably make its way to at I am Jericho as well. Uh, you can follow me over there if you want to. Facebook is uh, Chris Jericho, and Instagram is uh, Chris Jericho Fozzie. In case you're wondering, all my social medias, there they are. But uh, thanks for listening, uh, and thanks to John for telling us those, those horrific stories and speaking of creepy haunted horrific stories Beyond the Darkness moves to five episodes per week starting this Monday you'll be able to get your scary fix not only here on Talk is Jericho uh, uh, every month or every couple months you'll also be getting it every night Monday through Friday every weeknight right here on the Jericho Network via Podcast One Beyond the Darkness Dave Schrader and Tim Dennis are bringing the creepy freaky paranormal tales and guests every weekday it's a huge brand name and it's a big coup for us to be able to uh, to, to uh, uh, woo the uh, the Darkness Radio, Beyond the Darkness brand from uh, Terrestrial Radio over here to the Jericho Network. That's what I'm bringing you with some of the most entertaining podcasts you're ever going to hear uh, right here on the Jericho Network. I want you to subscribe in, at iTunes and give the stars so you never miss any of Tim and Dave's heart-pounding podcasts or any of the other shows on the Jericho Network. Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus is out every Tuesday. Congratulations to Cyrus for being named the new uh, color commentator for New Japan on New Japan World. And uh, congratulations to Lance and, and Cyrus for putting together a great great show this week uh, they talk uh, all things about uh, really lots of in-depth stuff about what it takes to be a good color commentator I thought that was a pretty interesting and Bulldog Bob Brown making an appearance he's becoming a cult uh, a cult character from beyond the grave speaking of cult characters keeping it 100 with Conan every Thursday with Conan Disco Inferno and the crew you never know what they're going to talk about it's always entertaining uh, those shows have just been huge hits as well Team Tiger awesome pop culture at its best what needs a reboot Home Alone Police Academy ALF you tell me they're, uh, the boys are 
telling you all about it. They're up every Sunday. Team Tiger Awesome. So all those great shows on the Jericho Network, please go check them out. I don't bring you anything but shows that I know you're going to love, and that's why uh, that's why you love me, right? That's right. Uh-huh. Thank you for all this, and thank you uh, for supporting all my great sponsors uh, when you do your shopping uh, as well through the Talk is Jericho Amazon links. It's a great supporter here. Easiest way to support the show. Uh, I got those Amazon links up at podcast1.com. You click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. Amazon links for the USA, UK, Canada, A. Every time you use the Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the show. Keep us cover, uh, help us cover production costs. You can get anything you want, no hidden fees or extra charges. Once again, podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page and hit that Talk is Jericho button. All my other sponsors will be there as well, including Little Caesars. Take advantage of their five items for $5 each offer now. To find a location near you, go to littlecaesars.com. DDP Yoga, get 25% off all DDPY merch and swag at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And don't forget, if you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you get another one for 50% off. The price is already 25% off, so it's a great deal. And don't forget, March 15th, 2017, it's the biggest podcast ever. Mick Foley on Talk is Jericho. I can't believe how close it's getting 52 days until Mick makes his TIJ uh, debut. I know you're going to listen to that. You keep listening right now for the 60-second AP News headlines. And coming up on Wednesday, we got a big show. They're all big shows here, man. I'm bringing nothing but the best here on Talk is Jericho. Just going through my notes to see who is actually going to be here. Oh, yeah. Wow. Got a huge documentary coming up uh, on ESPN. Have you ever seen the 30 for 30 specials, which are great specials. They had a great one on Wayne Gretzky and uh, on the Thrill in Manila. They have one uh, coming up on February 1st, I believe, on the XFL. Okay, actually, it's February 3rd on the XFL. XFL, the football league created by Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol. Um, and what a huge, huge, uh, it was a huge project and it kind of has a, a, a reputation of bombing, which it did, but it didn't bomb as much as you thought that it did because uh, it's going to be a, a really cool story for you guys to hear the entire tale of, of the XFL as told by Charlie Ebersol, who's Dick's son. He's the director of the documentary. He's the one that is... Uh, um, going to be there uh, that, that kind of did the whole show he did the whole documentary he lived it he uh, he loved it he was involved with it with his family and involved with it of course through Vince McMahon so there's some great stories coming up and that show airs February 2nd on ESPN but this uh, this Wednesday we got the whole rundown this was the XFL with Charlie Ebersol talking about Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol's uh, failed football league from about 15, 16 years ago. You're uh, not going to want to miss it. So thank you. So, actually, we're going to have some great stories about Saturday Night's Main Event as well. We're going to do another podcast about Saturday Night's Main Event with Charlie. That's a lot to talk about, a lot to chew off. Have a great weekend. Be cool. I hope you can sleep tonight after these creepy stories from John Zaffis. And don't forget to go help out Perry Saturn. GoFundMe.com slash Perry Saturn. Perry's in a rough way. Uh, listen to his show from Wednesday if you haven't heard it and uh, help out a really good guy in need. So we'll see you soon. Thank you so much for being you. And yeah... Boy, and also one more thing: don't forget Friday night, okay? Friday night, tonight in Anaheim at the Grove. It's the Metal Allegiance, which is me, Mike Portnoy, Charlie Benanti, Alex Skolnick, uh, Marcus Guida, Chuck Billy, Testament, Death Angel, Anthrax, Megadeth, Dream Theater, Fozzy, all of us together playing uh, the greatest hits from the fallen heroes of heavy metal and rock and roll, and you guys that have passed away. So I want to see you if you're going to be at Nam. Uh, this Friday and you're looking for something to do go to the Grove and check out Metal Allegiance Uh, it's going to be a party it's going to be a rock and roll party so we want to see you there have a great time 
And uh, we'll see you on Friday. And we'll see you next Wednesday for This Was the XFL. Yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.